1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu yeah, slash podcast.
0: Podcast. maybe the greatest pre-game yeah. game sorry preseason game
1: pre-game game
0: in our at least in the podcast history
1: that's what we were talking about when we were on the phone this morning i don't even think that there's a remotely close second i think that was the greatest preseason game of all time definitely in our history of watching in, in, in the Steelers recent history of watching and there's a lot of reasons for that it's sort of some sort of astrological phenomenon, right? Like a lot of things have to come together for a great preseason game. I'm sure Josh Dobbs had some great battles that we're forgetting about, but nobody cares because as you can see, Josh Dobbs, still a fourth string quarterback in the NFL and most of the insurance agents he was throwing against, I've never been heard from. But the things that have come together were that the Steelers and the Seahawks actually have um, more than one legitimate starter at quarterback like different guys who have started in the nfl for certain points um highly valued rookies and guys that they need to get a look at so the entire game you're either watching trubisky geno smith drew Locke, kenny pickett or mason rudolph guys who have all played and the team needs to see something from them so there's a relatively aggressive game plan even though it didn't involve a ton of down throw, uh, downfield throws from either team but So that's one part Is that the quarterback play is already intriguing uh, And as a result of that The game was actually really close And ended up coming down to the wire Where the Seattle Seahawks are trying to run a lateral play To win the game in a preseason contest Where you could actually feel You could feel the tension right? And then obviously the biggest point of all is Kenny Pickett Coming to the Steelers It's not just any rookie quarterback He's playing in his college stadium not just the same town. A bunch of his Pitt Panther teammates and his coach were at the game. A ton of Pittsburgh fans are at the game. So the atmosphere was extra electric, as Big Cat would say, um, for a preseason game. And then, uh, so that just added extra uh, juice, I'd say. And then the fact that Mitch and Mason played pretty well before. Kenny Pickett really set the stage nicely. And then I'd say, lastly, there were a ton of new toys for the Steelers. George Pickens, who's about to be the best player in the NFL. Uh, Miles Jack. You got to see a bunch of the new pieces, which was really exciting.
0: Yeah, I guess the unusual fact that there are actually three quarterbacks with Pittsburgh in contention kind of stretched out the excitement all the way to the end of the game. Because I, I think we've seen, you know, we've always been excited for the season to start, even if it's preseason, right? We just want to see some on the field football. Uh, never before we and we, we quickly with after, within one or two drives, Roethlisberger dro- drops out if he's played at all, and then we're sort of yeah. twiddling our thumbs. And I'm not saying, you know, it doesn't look like Pickett is uh, really vying for a starting position, but you know, there's a chance, right? And um, when he oh, came definitely. into the game, wasn't that wild? I mean, did you you saw the re- the condensed replay, yeah. right? And how the, the 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 crowd just
1: it was like, awesome erupted. It was so cool. And, and I don't know if that's a grasshopper or a cicada in the background, but once again, you guys, we're doing outdoor recordings. We're doing all kinds of stuff here. But um, either way, you, you mentioning Ben coming out after two drives traditionally. And, look, there's going to be mentions of Ben and AB on the podcast for a little while because you're coming out of a, a 20-year era, and that's all we have to compare to for generations. But the only other preseason game I really enjoyed uh, that I remember is when the Killer Bees played against the Saints, and they have, like, and Eli Rogers was the talk of camp, right? You already knew you had all these stars and the killer bees and they immediately come out throwing to Eli Rogers and then a bomb to AB for a touchdown. It was just the greatest first drive you can imagine. Okay. This offense is going to be amazing. Sure enough, they went into the regular season and they were awesome. And so that was exciting because you actually got to see superstars play really well, but this was exciting because you actually were interested the entire game and yeah, it's such a unique scenario, Right? I'm sure Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or whoever – plug in whoever else is getting a great welcome as a rookie quarterback, giving hope to a fan base in any stadium. But when was the last time you had the actual hero from college, um, first-round pick nonetheless? I was listening to part of my take this week, and they had Jake Plummer. I forgot that he went to like Arizona State or something or Arizona, and then he played for the Cardinals. So weirdly enough, that's another example I can kind of think of. But it's different with Kenny Pickett. I think I'm not sure um, you yeah, saw this maybe. on
0: the condensed version, but when he came in, they they panned to a corner of the stadium. Oh yeah, I okay. saw it. Where all his teammates were dressed in these uh, pit blue t-shirts and so it's cool. pretty cool. But let's start out with the real headliner, and the way I listed this in the script is George Pickens.
1: Yikes! Yikes! It's an embarrassment for the NFL. We knew who this guy was. He was really hyped up in the pre-draft process and I on the draft network and certain guys who cover the Steelers, I know Derek at Derek DeKid really liked him and I remember watching film of him and just thinking this is the most uh, this is not just the most obvious draft pick. We should have gone through this and I I wish I had gone harder with this in the um in the rankings. I can't remember exactly what we did with the receiver rankings at this point, but this is the best receiver in the class. This is, he he just got injured and people freaked out. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even a psychotic injury, like some sort of hip, like Tua got a hip, which is, okay, this isn't just a regular injury. This is a potential uh, lingering injury that modern medicine hasn't solved yet, right? But George Pickens, he had one injury. The guy got recruited to Georgia, the best school, you know, whatever, tie it with Alabama and Clemson. He is 6'3". He runs a 4-4, and it looks like that on the field. He is unbelievably coordinated. He hand catches everything. And I pointed this out on Twitter. This seems like a stupid thing, but when you see these, especially these lanky guys with the gigantic hands, make a catch on the sideline or make a catch over another player and then snatch it out of the air with two hands, squeeze the ball, and then yank the ball away with just one hand and palm it and kind of hold it out. It's sort of like a swaggy thing for them to do. It's just sort of a motion and a flow thing. But what that really shows you is there's only a few guys who can really do that motion where then they yank it away sort of almost pointlessly with one hand, but also you could say they're holding it farther away from their body to guard from people. But that's that mark of, oh my gosh, this guy, you can never teach that kind of coordination. He's pro- I bet you he's a great thrower of the football. I bet you he's got a great shot in basketball. It's that Odell Beckham Level of coordination, Jamar Chase, Randy Moss, these guys. So I could not believe it, especially digging into him after the draft, that the NFL let the Steelers get this guy, and I don't think that it's crazy. I'm, I'm calling the shot as hard as I can. I know that the hype is, is crazy for this guy right now in preseason, but like I said, if you, if you see it, you got to make the prediction now. He could be the best player on the Steelers. Yeah, within the I next mean, couple of years. You wish
0: that kind of talent was contagious because that is what Chase Claypool is missing. And as for the exactly. argument that he was playing against, you may not have been playing against a uh, first team. I would say that the motion that he did—I mean, the the fact that he was able to control his body yeah. the way it did, no matter who was on him. I mean, he had to, on that sideline catch, that that was a really like Amazing. a corkscrew that he he performed to, to pull the ball down and keep his toes in.
1: Yeah, and the touchdown, the toe tap—I mean, by a millimeter, it—it was Antonio Brown esque. Where it's like, okay, most guys can make that catch, but getting that left toe in is going to be impossible. And he just, no problem. It was slow motion. He got up. Yeah, of course I got it. And I forgot to mention the other aspect of him, which is, he's violent. He's violent. He knocks the crap out of people. We saw all the tape of him getting into not just getting into fights at Georgia, but. Just having awesome blocks where he r- runs that like lanky praying mantis frame at somebody, and and basically basketball chest passes to them, use two hands and just bangs them in the chest and knocks them over. Of course, he did that in the first preseason game too. He knocked the guy out, and he's well spoken. Like you hear him in interviews, he's light. He's a humble guy. He's funny. He has fun. So it's not like. You're saying, "Oh, he he's a dog out there." It's not that he, he's like one of the out of control dudes that's going to be getting a ton of personal fouls. If you get one here, they're good, fine. The best players do, but it's an under. He's just he's obscenely talented, and it was so cool getting to see him deliver immediately. First play of the game, they give him a button hook, perfect. Perfect you know, timing, great catch. Sometimes you wonder, like, can those 6-3 guys run a button hook that quickly? It's such a short route. No problem for him. Got it. And then they hit him on the same play that we've been seeing him catch over and over and over again in camp, which is these just go routes to the back of the end zone. We'll loft it up, and he'll make the catch. He does it. Then he knocks some guy over. Then he makes a beautiful spinning catch on the sideline where he full extension, toe tap, everything like you said. It was. Uh, we'll talk about Kenny Pickett in a minute because – the first round rookie definitely delivered too. But the George Pickens thing is like, well, there is, you're going to have to figure something out because on any other team, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool for as much crap as the fan base gives them. Those are slam dunk starting two receivers. You got to figure something out now with George Pickens. I think as soon as possible, I think they know that too.
0: Yeah. If you look at the interviews with, with Pickens, they belie the guy who plays the game, right? He's, he's, He's actually kind of understated, and um, as you said, it's, it's, yeah. he has humility, humility about him, but a certainly a confidence. And when they asked him about
1: what the first game was like, and he said, eh, "I'm not nervous. I'm just getting ready." So I wouldn't be if I were better than everybody, <laughs> like he is. This but look, this is the Justin first time Jefferson, he... Jamar Chase. This is happening a lot. Like this is not the Steelers. Give them six to eight games, like Juju and Martavis, and all those guys. He he needs to start day one. It's that intense.
0: So how does he start day one? You were just talking about that.
1: I don't know. They got to figure that out. But uh, I mean, you know, it's obviously Chase, Chase Claypool is kind of the one that you look at a little bit. Like really it should be Deontay he should still retain his position because the level of nuance Deontay has, the offense is going to run through him in a lot of ways. And if you could have pick uh, pickens as the other outside guy, and then finally do what we've been begging for a year or two and put, Chase as the slot receiver, and maybe he just doesn't get quite as many snaps as he's used to, but I guarantee you he'll make the most out of them. That would be the lineup to me, like at pretty evidently.
0: You mentioned that we were, uh, let's move from Pickens to Pickett. Pickett comes out immediately. They give him, let him pass to uh, Sternberger for a reception of 11 yards, given a little early success.
1: I'd be nervous if I were Kenny, and he didn't... He, I kind of felt like he... I wouldn't be surprised if he had some butterflies just with that reception and first NFL game, but one of the best things about him is his poise and his calmness and his just natural coolness. So, obviously, that first pass seems stupid. Guys wide open, uncovered here on a rollout, but a lot of guys might sail that or just make it not accurate. Perfect pass. I'm, I'm sure that helped him get into the rhythm, but either way, it was a... It was a slam dunk first, quote unquote, game action for Kenny Pickett, right? We'll talk about Mitch because, and we'll talk about Mason Rudolph too, because those guys both did well. I think I'll get to the Mason Rudolph thing later. I think that some of his good play in camp has been a little overstated, really evidenced by what he did in the game. Mitch definitely actually surprised me a little bit, but we want to get to the headliners first and we'll talk about Kenny Pickett. And here's what I think. He's playing against third string backups. There is a big difference there. But what I wanted to say is that his physical tools and his play style that we saw at Pitt looked the same on the NFL field. And and what I mean by that is like, he's sudden in his pocket movements and he, he was able to get away from pressure a few times. You did see a few times when he did flee the pocket and he got caught by backup guys who grabbed him by the shoulder and threw him down to the ground which we knew would be the adjustment in the NFL. Like, he's going to be mobile, but he's going to have to adjust it a little bit. That's no problem. That's actually great that he got that experience. By the way, Dad, did you see the first one where he got sacked on like the two-yard line? That was terrible. I thought he was about to be out for the season with the shoulder yeah. popping out. I thought, out. The, arm like, was, I I thought the entire the arm was
0: going to pop out.
1: Well, it, it, I think it was the left arm. And if I don't know anything about Kenny Pickett, he can overcome adversity. So he would have been fine. He would have he would've played through it. But So that's the first thing that stuck out to me he at Pitt, was playing in a pretty collegiate style offense which is a ton of screens and then a ton of sort of predetermined like if we're gonna throw downfield it's gonna be a predetermined thing that's sort of set up from a bunch of fakes earlier and then you're gonna throw it to the we, we've decided that this guy downfield is gonna be open rather than the ben roethlisberger patrick mahomes i'm gonna sit in the pocket and i have a couple reads to make i'm going to bias myself towards the farther guy um So Kenny didn't have an opportunity to learn NFL style offenses like the two guys we hope he's like, the two modern dudes, Joe Burrow and Mac Jones, the modern NFL. Okay, these are the pocket guys. These aren't the Mahomes, the Allens, the the Zach Wilsons, the freaks, but they're mobile enough to get out of trouble, and their arms are good enough, but their brains and their suddenness and their poise is their advantage. So those are the guys we hope Kenny's like. and. Now that he's getting NFL experience for the first time, it, it looked awesome. And especially since th- it does give you a little bit of the light flickering on for Matt Canada, because I guess what I want to say is like Kenny didn't throw it down the field the entire day. It was all little rollouts and, and flare out passes, but he did hit a couple nice little intermediate things to the sideline that were very accurate and the ball was spinning well. And so you saw, okay, that's cool. But he just it just looked so much better than when ben was running this style of offense right all the little rollouts he was decisive when he threw or when he ran when he's making these throws on the run they're short passes but they're all right on the money the right speed on the ball the it's a spiral it's easy for the guys to catch and he just looked super in control and i was just really impressed how Kenny Pickett in a Steelers uniform and the plays that were called and the way he executed them looked extremely similar to Kenny Pickett in a Pitt Panthers uniform which is a really good sign because it shows that that play style is going to transcend and if Matt Canada can be the first real kind of college offensive coordinator who's had more than six games of success in the pro level you'd have to be thrilled that that play style and that play calling style would be meshed really perfectly. So I thought Kenny was, was pretty awesome and how accurate and and quick he was. Yeah. I
0: think your point about Ben being, I mean, this is not the bad mouth Ben ever. I mean, he he was 50 years old. He had passed his physical prime, obviously. And, um, so that's what was so marked about that, this game, you know, where the, the quarterbacks were, were so mobile, relatively speaking. I think the other thing I, um, what I don't want to talk about is, Kenny was successful against third string, you know, third stringers. I, I would just respond with, you gotta walk before you run. If you can't do well at that level, you're not gonna be able to move through. And I think they clearly contain Kenny. You know, like you said, I don't know if he, he threw anything further than 15 yards downfield at most. So it was very contained. Which is fine. But Just, just have success, game, get yep. a feel for the flow and the speed of the game. And that's what happened. And yeah, I, I appreciate your comments.
1: So just, just real quick. Sorry to interject. Like the thing about the third stringers, I'm not saying that to take away from his success. I'm talking about evaluating a player. Right. And the big thing with players like him who aren't like, He's very physically talented. You see him like, oh, he's big. Like, oh, he's quick. Look at him. He can move around. Oh, he's got a good arm. The ball the ball gets there. But it's not so overtly physically talented that you are positive that it's going to translate to the NFL. Where, like, when Lamar is running past, Lamar Jackson in college is running past SEC defenses for 80-yard touchdowns, where a lot of those defenders are going in the first round and they're going to be big NFL defenders, there was no wonder, like, will he be a good scrambler in college or in, in, in the pros? Whereas with Kenny, it's like, ooh, the physical talents are good, but let me see how well does he escape against NFL, which is very different. How well does he throw the ball into tight windows, which are way tighter in the NFL? We're talking about his physical talents. And so that's my only thing about the third stringer, is like, we can take it with a grain of salt because on one hand, you just review the performance and you, you give it an A plus, right? It was awesome, he was really good. Um, and then I just say for the physical part, he completely blew the test out of the water with the third stringers. I wanna see him with the second and the first stringers where you see the guys are a little bit faster. And some of those times when he bails the pocket, which was the other thing at Pitt that we said, like he loves to bail the pocket. He needs to be able to learn how to sit in there and deliver. When you step up in the pocket and you squirt out to the right and the guy in the NFL, like he saw, runs you down. Whereas in Pitt, you were able to just run out on the sideline, that's all I'm talking about. If I were to give his performance grade, I'm giving it an A+, but I'm saying, hey, as we watch out for Kenny to become the guy, and we will talk about the other quarterbacks, but let's be honest, nobody cares. This is this is a guy's Kenny Pickett. Um, well, let me can I That's can what I, you that's what you look can at. Can I yeah. can
0: I just clarify? I wasn't criticizing you for bringing, say, mentioning the third string. I'm just I just don't want to spend the whole preseason qualifying everything with a caveat. It's a third string. And because the, the danger is to project somebody into the regular season based on a performance against second and third string, which is not what we're doing. I appreciate what we saw from him. And that's why I made the comment, if he can't walk, he certainly isn't going to run. And he walked well, you know, as you said, he oh, had a yeah. very successful outing given the competition, you know, it'll get, they'll turn up the heat as like, hopefully they'll turn up the heat as the preseason goes on and he'll play earlier in the game. But that remains, <coughs> excuse me, that remains to be seen.
1: Yeah. No good point but I want to pull it back to what you said about George Pickens when you gave the caveat too it's like we know it's not against the starters but when you make that spiraling catch on the sideline where you drag your toes we know that that will translate no matter who the starter is like you're going to be open on a guy and the ball is going to come to that part of the field can you drag your toe can you catch it with your hands that's just all we're trying to do when we're trying to predict how players are going to are gonna do so when we talk about Kenny being super sudden and mobile. like you can look at him on the screen whether he's on first team or third team like we've seen many quarterbacks move in the pocket we know how fast they're going on the screen he moves around really nicely and so that's all that is is just saying hey this is so far so good and let's see him with with the next ones but yeah he, he was just how many reps has he gotten with the team at all and he looked so comfortable in that offense and Matt Canada made it really easy on him and obviously the defenses are vanilla um but you know a lot of fake rollout and then make the throw it's very like McVay Shanahan-esque but it 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 just stands out that like and again Ben way past his prime we're we're judging old Ben we're judging freaking Ben Roethlisberger all-time great quarterback but the offense just looks so different when you have a guy who can actually move around. And and, and Trubisky did the same thing for sure. And it just looks so different. And Kenny looked so in control. And it was I just don't think that you could be anything but thrilled with him passing that first test because Kenny in a Steelers uniform looked the same as Kenny in a pit uniform, which is exciting. Well,
0: let's move on to the other quarterbacks because I I was interested in seeing them, especially Mitch. And especially yeah on the heels of all these reports that he's not having, uh, the best camp, you know, he's not as sharp as people were hoping. And that, uh, I wouldn't say it dispelled everything last night, but I, it was, he had a great performance. It was cool that he opened up with the pass to, to Pickens. And ultimately I thought he had, you know, having a score on the first series is something we aren't used to. So that was a pleasure.
1: I, yeah, I don't want to say I was blown away by Mitch, but, I was, I, I kind of was. It, it was so much better than I expected. And when he came over from Buffalo, I, uh, I like everybody else knew, like I do think he's better than what we saw in Chicago. So it's not like him playing well last night was me saying like, oh, this is a bum. I just happened to watch him in a lot of Chicago games where he was skipping balls. He was only throwing to the right and he just looked scared and lost in a terrible Chicago offense. When, uh, and, and you said, based off the reports we were hearing, he wasn't doing that well in camp. And I gotta agree, and that was sort of disappointing. Cause you're like, look, I know you're not playing with any of the starters, but this is what, your fifth or sixth, this is his sixth year? Come on, you, you, got, you should be able to get something together. Oh, for 16 in the red zone, that's alarming. But when he went out there, again, the word that comes to mind, and maybe it's just cause we're so used to <laughs> having to watch um, Ben the past few years, the old version. But I'd say, you know, Geno Smith doesn't have this quality really, even though he's a fast athlete. It's the suddenness of Kenny and Mitch that's so surprising. The things that stood out to me about about Mitch, it was the confidence and his decisiveness of where he was gonna throw the ball. And it's just a lot of body language and you saw him. He, he, got, he took two massive hits on throws where he didn't flinch whatsoever. He, he was a little inaccurate on the throws. He could have brought them down a little bit uh, and missed one, I guess, to Sternberger. But just did not care we about the pressure care. in his face. And that's a supremely veteran QB move. The ball had nice zip on it. He, there were a few plays, including the touchdown where he threw to the wide open uh, Patriots white, Gunnar Orschlefsky. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but that's pretty close, I think. On that play, you think, oh, that was nice. He ran to the left and he threw to an uncovered guy. But if you watch the replay, which they show from behind the quarterback, his read starts all the way to the right of the field. So he went right to middle to, oh, somebody's coming. Let me bail out. And you saw the thing everybody talks about with Mitch is like, this is a really good athlete. He can he can definitely get out of pressure. Uh, and I think Kenny actually has similar speed, but Mitch is just like a bigger, thicker dude. Um, and so then he scrambles out and then hits Gunner. But... It wasn't just a, a touchdown pass to an uncovered guy. It was quarterback going through one, two. Oh, here's pressure. I'm going to escape. Oh, I'm going to find this guy and throw it perfect to him on the run to the left in the end zone. I just thought he was very poised, looked, um, and then he just, he was accurate. And uh, I love to see him take those hits and not care. And he just, yeah, he's a, he's a big, athletic looking dude who was a little bit smoother than I saw him in Chicago. I, th- I thought he was really good.
0: Let's talk about the last quarterback who was uh, facing a defense and 48,000 people who were booing him.
1: I know. You kind of got to feel bad for Mason. Just every, I think the best description I finally heard of it was on Pat McAfee where Tone Diggs, the resident Steelers fan, said, like, look, if if he just had, like, a little facial hair, I think Pittsburgh would like him more. And I was like, yeah, that's probably the issue. <laughs> he's just got, He's got a punchable face. And then Pat McAfee pointed out, look, I'm sorry, man, it, until you, like, Make a playoff run or something with with really good stats because you can make a playoff run like you almost did in the eight and eight year splitting with ducks, with duck. Like until you make that, you, you will always be the guy who got his helmet ripped off and bonked in his own head with it, which is tough. But the reports from camp, but you also have been that he's he's played the best out of the quarterbacks, and you do sort of have to feel for him like he just he came into a tough situation and um, the Steelers were pretty terrible. Like the line was terrible in front of him. You got to remember when he was playing most of his like juju was injured because he got him injured if we remember he threw an absolute hospital ball on a hook route that took 45 seconds to get there and then juju got like high load by some guys i think it was the ravens right but he didn't have a ton to work with either so you do have to feel for him that he gets hated by people like that right the reports are that he was the best quarterback in camp that shouldn't have been overly surprising this is what his fifth year sixth year in the system is this his sixth year as well dad you want to check that real quick i think so because they re-signed him right um, I just think we saw the identical Mason Rudolph that we've seen in every other game. I think that he is pretty much capped out. There are tiny things that he'll improve in. Like you saw him actually reverse field, run to the left, reset, and make a really accurate throw. That was a nice example of, it seems that this guy's been working on that in the offseason, but he's aggressive. He made a couple nice, accurate throws downfield. The touchdown pass to Pickett was awesome. And then within the first 12 plays, he th- had two One really bad turnover that should have been caught and one annoying turnover on the play What was like the first play when uh, Dan Moore the left tackle did a poor job on the tackle on the uh, defensive end The edge rusher he came looping around and swatted the ball out from Mason Rudolph on his blind side And I know you made the point which is very legit that that's not really Mason's fault This was a terrible block and Mason was gonna get the ball out pretty quickly. He didn't even see the guy coming and he hit it out of his hands. And that's just what I'll say, like, yeah, that's Mason Rudolph. He never he never sees the guy coming. Like, there's gonna be one of those plays, two or three of those plays every game where you're gonna get an unrush, an unblocked rusher. And it wasn't that he was unblocked either. It was like, he was coming around the edge and it's just so frustrating that every game Rudolph plays in, he will fumble. It's going to happen. And every game he's gonna throw a moon ball into the middle of the field that's gonna get picked off like he did. And so, he, but he also does have nice throws down the field and you will just always have those things. And I think that that's what we said about him last year. You're guaranteed to have a, a few nice throws down the field and you're guaranteed to have some bad pocket presence and some interceptions in the middle of the field. And I just think that what we saw from him and the other two quarterbacks, it was a little surprising given all the training camp reports we've been hearing from Marco Ball and all the guys on the ground where it didn't seem like Mason was the first place guy. It seemed like everybody was exactly the guy that was advertised. Mitch is a better quarterback than he was in Chicago who is physically the most talented of the group. Kenny Pickett is this sort of snake-like quarterback who's very composed and good on the run and uh, – Yeah, sort of slippery. And Mason is better than a lot of people give him credit for, but extremely limited physically and with his pocket presence.
0: Yeah, just to confirm, so Mason's going into his fifth year. As you recall, he just signed a one-year extension, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. Um, I'm not sure how much we can go into the offensive line. I just want to say that it is good we have three or two-and-a-half mobile quarterbacks because I'm not sure that uh, it's going to be a brick wall. The inside. I'm not sure they're going to be able to straighten things out for the season. Hopefully they do. But right now there was a, there was a okay protection. But a lot of the times, um, it, as we, we, we talked about, Trubisky, Pickett were getting flushed out of the pocket.
1: Yep, and I think that that's okay. It's still a new offensive line. It's the first week of the preseason. It's going to take a while for any offensive line to gel there. Uh, they're not overly talented in Pittsburgh. It does suck to hear, again, like how much – How much do we put into these training camp (laughs) reports? At least with the George Pickens ones, there are videos to back it up. But all I had heard is that Dan Moore is doing well at training camp, and the very first play of the game, he pretty, he gives up a sack fumble, basically. It's frustrating. But um, I'll say this. <clears throat> they'll have some time to gel. You can't expect them to be a great unit. They just don't have that talent. You have to expect them to be, hey, can they be good enough to hold on to let these great skilled position players do their thing? But I'll say this. They got some great push in the run game with Anthony McFarland, who was awesome. So I agree with you. It's hard to tell with the line, but I know there were a few really nice highlights from James Daniels who had like a, on one of McFarland's runs, awesome like awesome block where he blocked down the defensive lineman hopped up to the linebacker blocked him Anthony McFarland got past him and then got tied up by two guys and and then Daniels comes in and knocks out one of those dudes at the end of the play so at least you see some good stuff from the news well, or sorry from the new guard <laughs> good segue let's talk
0: about why running back so the Steelers amassed 185 yards do you feel better same still open question about the running backs the depth we have now
1: i feel the same that it's a massive issue but I, my interest has perked up and anthony mcfarland who i've always loved since they drafted him we've pointed this out every preseason the steelers haven't had a fast explos- explosive running back like that literally since willie parker like the guy is so so much visibly faster than everybody else on the screen. It's a huge weapon, but I always feel like he's like a Barney Rubble or something. He's always, he has no patience. Everything's always a hundred miles per hour. And you've, and you've seen him when he's gotten in regular season games, trip over himself because whenever he gets the ball, he's always running as fast as he can, or he's running into blockers and he's just pinballing around. It looks like everything's moving too fast for him. And his response is, I'll just go fast. And so, he was really successful last night and that still is what his play style looks like. It's this hilarious, just, I'm going 100 miles per hour every time. But you just see the guy is so talented and he's not a big guy, but he is a little bit, he is thick enough to be able to be that awesome second running back. And I feel bad when we rail on like single players over and over again, but with Benny Snell, I just really need somebody to supplant him, right? You think back to that Ravens game where he had 100 yards. You're like, well, he can do it. But think about this. If you have Najee Harris as your starting back, who is extremely bruising. He's got some finesse in his game. He can really catch the ball. But he's a big, badass dude who's going to run guys over. He's not going to have a lot of 20, 30-yard runs, but he's going to kill you with five-yard runs. And then you put in the backup, and you have Benny Snell, who's just like, yeah, it's basically that back, but significantly worse at everything. So when he goes in, the offense just gets worse. It's a different, you need to spell Najee. And if you're on defense, it's like, okay, thank God we have the worst version of that guy. But what if Anthony McFarlane goes in for 12, 15 plays a game? He's not as good of an overall back as Najee, but he's significantly faster. And he, he's, uh, so then you have the true quote unquote change of pace back. Even when like Le'Veon was the running back and they had two awesome backup running backs, D'Angelo Williams and James Conner, they were similar versions to what he could do. They weren't quite as good as him, but they could do a lot of similar things. This would be the first time in a while when you had the true James White on the Patriots sort of change of pace back, like Chris uh, Fumatu Umafala and Amos Zaraway, the Thunder Lightning thing. Everybody talks about it and wants it. Amal Bradshaw and uh, Brandon Jacobs for the Giants. Everybody talks about it and wants it, but it's hard to truly find two guys who are actually that. Because a lot of times, if you're backup guys, the scat back, they end up just being too small, right? But Anthony McFarlane, if he could become that, I would feel so much better about the, the Steelers running backs, and that would be exciting. But generally, when you're in year three and you've shown kind of nothing in terms of success to this point, it's pretty rare to see those guys succeed. So that's why everything with McFarlane, I take with a grain of salt, but that would be really exciting.
0: Yeah, I think of all the positions we've been talking about, running back really needs to go up against the first team defense with the first team offense. So an interesting statistic, and it's meaningless again, because it's the the preseason, but the Steelers had 185 rushing yards, 75% or 75 yards or 40% of those yards came on three runs by Warren McFarlane and um, Teague. So yeah, Boy, that would be great if that was the regular season because uh, just to have some explosive plays like that uh, multiple times. But what did you think about Warren, Jalen Warren?
1: I thought Warren was really good. Obviously, he's really powerful. I just do notice on on the screen he looks very small. Like he's powerful. He's not. I'm not saying he's small like Chris Rainey or whatever. But he is a smaller guy where I wonder how much better than Benny Snell is he? If you have these bowling balls, like Benny Snell, he just reminds me a lot of Jonathan Dwyer where like the foot speed and the acceleration and the burst is so non-existent that it's hard for me to even really think of you as a power back and if you can't generate any momentum going to the line of scrimmage to make violent collisions. I know Benny Snell gets away with it sometimes and he's an NFL, you know, quality back, but those guys don't strike me as power, whereas Warren, he does speed into the line of scrimmage. He does have the acceleration. And I'd be curious to check their weight, but he looks significantly smaller than Benny Snell. So I don't know how much he's going to show up or not um, against starting defenses, but it's definitely intriguing to, to see the guy. I'm like, oh, that's, that's something that they haven't had in a few years. So that was, yeah, I liked what I saw from them. But once again, we'd need to see a little bit more. But the McFarland thing I think was maybe out of all the players on the team – last night the most exciting because that's when you had sort of just written off at least i had I, I think everybody has and then you realize oh maybe this this will be a thing well,
0: i want to give you credit for doing a tremendous job of unplanned transitions and mentioning the defense and we're we're, we're yes. speaking about rushing and the steelers did not have an august game on in that aspect of defense with the seahawks rushing for what is this 159 yards
1: yeah, here's the unfortunate part. And we'll talk about the we didn't talk about the receivers, so we can talk about them later cuz that's a really interesting position group for the Steelers where there are I've never seen this many good receivers on a Steelers team before. So therefore never seen this many good receivers on a team, well, stupid Tampa Bay pylon team. But um yeah, the defense, it's just hard to get a feel for the rushing thing. Like you have all these backups in there, but then again, it's Loudermilk and Mondo and guys who are going to get playing time and Seattle gashed the Steelers last year. with, with So something about Seattle. And th- Seattle has good running backs. like And guys who have played. Like Travis Homer was in there. He was killing it. The new guy from Michigan State. He did a good job. They had a few different. And um, who's the guy? Dallas. Something. Da- DJ Dallas or something. <laughs> DJ Dallas. I can't remember his name. But it's an awesome name. And he's been on the Seahawks for a year or two. So you got guys who with real NFL experience who are running in there. But. The Seattle line was pushing that Steelers line backwards, so you would hope for more in that department. All I know is there were a couple uh, spectacular reps from Miles Jack, which was really encouraging. And then I was looking at uh, Bobby Spokane, and love to have him in there as backup, but man, the guy is definitely limited physically, and he can get shook a little bit here and there.
0: Well, I guess the the biggest, biggest deficit you in a circle is Devin Bush.
1: Yeah, that's dead. I mean, he, he really, like, he had a couple of interceptions his first year, but I, I I will be shocked if he ends up being a good player. I hate to say it. I mean, he just really has not flashed at all in his career, and, and sometimes it's circumstance. It's like how much does that injury have to do with it? I don't know because it's not like he was playing great and then the injury slowed him down, but maybe it's timing, you know, timing career-wise, I mean, and and just lose that confidence and the, the train keeps moving without you, but – We'll see. I mean, so remains to be seen. But that truly is kind of my feeling on Devin Bush is, like, I'd be surprised if he was good because I just have never seen it on a consistent basis through multiple games, let alone through one game.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm sorry we skipped over receivers. we talked so much about Pickens. In my mind, we had already, yeah, already discussed it. But it does <laughs> yeah, seem same. like an embarrassment of riches right now.
1: I don't know who the hell is going to make this team because – Calvin Austin and Anthony Miller didn't play. And they're supposed to be the next guys after Deontay, Claypool, Pickens. And then you'd have Austin, right? But And then Anthony Miller apparently has been really good. Well, Gunnar or- Schlevsky, again, so many programs do the lazy thing when you see a small white receiver and you compare them all to Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, these Patriots guys, especially with Gunnar coming from there. Um, but look, there's a reason because – there's not very very many andy isabellas who by the way has done nothing in the nfl but i mean like short smaller white guys who actually have that super burst speed it's a lot of like former quarterbacks who are like a little too small to play quarterbacks so they learn how to play slot receiver. so that makes a lot of sense and then you get the uh, you get the exceptions like jordy nelson and cooper cup Adam Thielen, you look at those guys, what do they have? Well, they're all like 6'2", 6'3". They're, they're bigger dudes. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it seems like the lady' laziest comparison ever, but Gunner, he is that. He is Julian Edelman. He is the Patriots' white <laughs> slot receiver. I have no idea why they let him go. He was always good for them, but he was awesome for the Steelers. I mean, he had a, a few great plays, but the one I think about is the, the sort of slant hook he caught in the middle of the field. Where he immediately catches it, super smooth, catches it, brings it into his body, pivots and turns to the outside and runs for an extra 15 yards or whatever it was. He just seems like that guy, like that super reliable slot receiver. He is a thicker, faster version of Ryan Switzer, which is really interesting to see. And so he was awesome. Then obviously Steven Sims, who I loved when he was on Washington, this, this guy is fast as hell. He was great. He, and he – I can't believe Washington let him go because he had a good game against the Steelers for Washington. He had a good game against the Buccaneers in the playoffs. You see his speed is legit. I, how did they let this guy go? And then Boykin, Miles Boykin from the Ravens, he was kind of Chase Claypool 1.0. He's the big guy from Notre Dame the, the year before Chase gets there. Not quite the same explosion that Chase has, but – he had a bunch of really great hands catches where the ball's far away from him. He catches with his hands. You generally think with those big guys, that's the thing they struggle with. No, he was awesome. He used his body really well. And who the Steelers might have to keep six receivers. They have multiple guys who can punt return because apparently Calvin Austin's been great during camp. Obviously, he's going to get a spot. Anthony Miller, another one, like a second round draft pick who I was dying for the Steelers to pick that year. I'll be re- really curious to see what he's going to do. They're going to cut multiple receivers who will get, not just make other teams, but get playing time on other teams. I just want to point this out. I just want to point this out real quick. After Sims punt return, the long punt return, I don't know if you caught what the camera guy caught, but I think history was made. They caught the first hot girl at a Steelers game in history. Oh,
0: I, I did catch that. I think everybody. It
1: was the funniest. <laughs> the cameraman after this huge punt return just puts it on this attractive girl in the crowd and they show her clapping it up after the big punt return. And so that's what I associate Stephen Sims with. And I'm like, hey, man, he, he's bringing some fanfare there. I just thought that was such a funny moment where it's just nothing but cutaways of uh, this punt return. And they just kind of worked out one. And they're like, hey, look at that. So I don't know if she was a Seahawks fan or I think she was a Steelers fan. It looked like she's clapping after the punt return, but I thought that that was hilarious. And now for some reason, that's what I associate with Stevenson. Well,
0: it's interesting that McFarland was getting uh, reps at kick, kickoff returning and Sims did the yeah. punt and Olsz- Olszewski, it, which is what he was brought in for, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, he's very good at it. He's so maybe th- they are just figuring out who his backups are or it'll be interesting to see if he gets any reps at um, – Punter kickoff returns in the preseason. Who?
1: Sims, you mean? Olczewski. Gunner? Gunner. I think it's like Orshlewski. I know there's like, and I don't know if it's Orshlewski. I just know it's Or, and then there's a (laughs) sound (laughs) in there. Um, But Anthony Miller is another punt returner, too. And I think Calvin Austin. I don't know how much he's been doing or not, but you would assume he is. So I can't believe the embarrassment of riches they have in there. It's going to suck because, oh, well, you know who else was good? Your guy. When Cody White gets the ball, you also see him like, huh. He reminds me a little bit of, like, Golden Tate. I think it's because he's tall and lanky and wears number 15. And he catches those screen passes. You never think those lanky guys are going to be able to kind of juke their way out of the small spaces, but he does it. Like, Cody White actually looks explosive, too, because I was going to say what's going to be a bummer is you wish that you could stash the seventh and eighth options on your practice squad. You're not going to be able to with Boykins and Sims and these guys and Gunner because they already have name recognition, and they're playing well again in their their, – I just can't believe these guys all got cut. Um, they're playing well with their stint with the Steelers, so they're going to get picked up, and that sort of sucks that you're not going to get those guys. But still got Cody White down there, and I thought he looked good too. Oh, and we never mentioned the fact that it's another too good to be true. Like Kenny Pickett, it? like it's too good to be true. Can the pick quarterback really come to the Steelers and be a good player? It's like well, so far so good, but apparent can can JJ Watt's younger brother like be half of the play oh he's already got a defensive player of the year and second in the race two years in a row because apparently cam hayward's younger brother is like good good because i thought hayward was awesome on offense i remember seeing the michigan state highlights and thinking oh wow this guy is way faster than i thought and he's got legit hands where did this come from he's like what is he like 10 years younger than cam i guess that makes sense he has nothing in common with him body type wise did he have two catches? I mean, the one spectacular catch in the middle of the field where he is running at full speed, gazelle mode, jumps up, grabs the ball out of the air, makes the catch. There is a legit chance that he, he could be a guy behind Friermuth in time, uh, You know, depending on how his blocking goes. But I would be absolutely shocked if a Hayward uh, wouldn't learn how to block well. Yeah,
0: two receptions, and, and they should be pretty loaded at, at tight end as well. You know, you had mentioned him, and I, I forget whether you had uh, said that we have uh, two injuries, one to Calvin Austin, both a ankle injury. And I think I reported Liz Frank last night.
1: I think that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's a sprain. That
0: is, don't listen to Twitter. You 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 need 24 hours. That it has not been made official. And Carl Joseph also. I think had they a,
1: may have updated it. You here, I'll look it okay. up right now while you do. It. But I, I do believe there was an update that it indeed is a Liz Frank sprain, okay. which is not, not as bad, but it, I mean, pretty pretty ter- pretty terrifying. So Carl Joseph
0: yeah. left, you know, in a walking boot and crutches, which is also not good.
1: That does suck. Um, well either and by the way to walk back terrifying for Calvin Austin the fact is like they don't need him this year you want him but he and his he's played so well in camp that Career wise, he might be okay, but it just sucks to get your career off to a start like that. But, anyways, yeah, the offense was so exciting. There's so many new faces, and every single one of them delivered. What about on defense? We talked about the run defense already. I'd say in the secondary, a few things that stood out to me. Some of the, ta- there were some missed tackles, of course, like there always were, but a killer Weatherspoon laid a couple people out. That's awesome. Uh, so did, why am I blank- blanking? Arthur Mallette. We've seen, he is very. <laughs> It is eerie how close he is to Mike Hilton in terms of the blitzing and the run defense where he he split some blockers and made an awesome tackle on a screen pass. We know he's the worst cover corner in the entire NFL. So if he can fix that, that'll be awesome. We know how good he is against the run, and he showed that again last night. But I'd say the other the the one I'm most excited about is Trey Norwood just continues to make plays on the ball. And you gotta be so happy that a guy like Trey Norwood, like that's the kind of dude you want getting snaps. Norwood, McFarland, these mid-round picks who aren't going to need to start right now, but they could be the first backup somewhere else, and eventually turn into a starter. Like obviously, I don't mean he's uh, McFarland's going to supplant Najee, but you know what I mean. Like he could become a legit contributor. So you, I like seeing those guys get a ton of reps in preseason. Uh, Kenny Pickett, another one. Like you want to see him get a bunch. Like he's going to be the guy. Like you get him on the field as much as you can. So I thought Trey Norwood had a couple of really nice plays in coverage, which was cool.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, the, the really the good news is it looks like we, we have sort of wide depth across most of the, a lot of the positions. Um, 22 guys on the defensive line. I'm not sure that that depth is going to be as helpful as we'd hope for, but time will tell. And speaking of depth, you know, everybody needs support and we're thankful for the support we get from sports drink
1: yes thank you so much to sports drink for hosting our podcast sports drink is your digital water cooler they're trying to find the intersection between sports and not sports and they're here to support the greatest team that ever lived the pittsburgh steelers but they also got podcasts for many of the other pro and college sports teams so check it out if you're looking for some more info on the other teams, looking for some scouting reports. It's great. We appreciate their support. Check them out on socials at sports drink. That's at sports drink without the vowels. So at sportsdrink on all the socials. So there you go. Oh Thanks, Sports Drink.
0: So tell us a little bit about the punt god, which is a crazy story.
1: <laughs> the punt god. So did he have an eighty-two yard punt in the air? Because that's what it looked like. He punted the ball. This might be the best punter in history. And the freaking Bills got him. What a pick, right? Like, I, I think that the Bills, I mean, they're the prohibitive favorite in the NFL. I think that the Bills are awesome and they could definitely go to the Super Bowl. I think they're one of the weaker, quote unquote, like, um, universal favorites as terms of the number one seed, as opposed to, like, the Patriots in their prime, the the, the Buccaneers the past few years when they've been unfairly stacked up the Chiefs in the past few years when you know okay this team is just absolutely stacked right now the Seahawks so the reason why I think that about the Bills is because I just think that they it will be Sexier if they had brought in another like legit wide receiver like you have some guys on their team Gabriel Davis who they're keeping their fingers crossed Maybe this could be the guy but it just seems like in the NFL now Tom Brady goes to the to the Buccaneers They have two Pro Bowl receivers already and a Pro Bowl tight end And then they add one of the greatest receivers in history and one of the greatest tight ends in history The, uh, the seventh overall pick in the draft at running back, you know, it's like the embarrassment of riches things For the Bills, I think that they're lacking some of that and they're lacking like superstar power really on any other side of the ball. All they have is like Diggs and and, uh, Allen as their superstars. But they're a super well-rounded team. I digress, we're trying to talk about the punt god. But when you're a a team that well-rounded, if you could get the best punter in the league, which this guy clearly has a shot at at being, given his physical talents. We know from watching Pat McAfee show that it's not just about booming the ball all the time, it's about being accurate. And, uh, but that was insane. That was the best punt I've ever seen. He did that in college a lot. And then he did it his first try in the NFL.
0: So this guy, it was an 80 yard kick. It was 75 yards in the air. What's really interesting is that he led the FBS with a 51 yard punt punt last year, but he had six punts of 70 yards. And uh, to put that in perspective, there were only six punts of 70 yards or more in the entire NFL last season. And I guess he played at San Diego state he had an 80. 80- yeah,
1: he plays same. we mentioned him during the during the year. Oh, good. I should We I talked should about him pay more
0: attention to our podcast. It's
1: not about punting far though because a lot of guys can punt far because a lot of times if you punt far, they just have so much time to return the ball. Like they're not always punting as far as they can. They're trying to punt as high as they can, like the perfect mix of high and far so that you're forcing fair catches. But when you can punt 100 yards like this guy can, I think that kind of makes it a different situation.
0: Well, I guess that's a classic flipping the field
1: what this is brought to you by sports drink
0: so next week August 20th 7 p.m. we we travel to Jacksonville to meet the Jaguars
1: that'll be fun Uh, this if it was as fun as this playoff game I am so in for it hopefully they play Trevor Lawrence and we get to see him play a little bit and obviously we're all itching to see Kenny Pickett again and we do not need to see George Pickens anymore I think that he can go ahead and sit out for the rest of the preseason bubble wrap him (laughs) And you... Nah, you want to see You want to it. You need to bubble wrap whoever's across from them. That's what you really
0: want. Hit us up on Twitter Bury at them. Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.